reading from God's Word, the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, the 16th chapter. This story occurs shortly after the people uh, make their way out of Egypt. Beginning with verse 1. The whole congregation of the Israelites set out from Elam, and Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is not about the behavior that went on there, but its location, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt, the whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I am going to rain down bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way, I will test them whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your complaining against the Lord. For where are we that you complain against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning, because the Lord has heard the complaining that you utter against him, what are we? Your complaining is not against us, but against the Lord. Reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18, beginning with verse 18. A certain ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. The ruler replied, I have kept all these since my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, There's one thing still lacking. Sell all that you own and distribute the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when he heard this, he became sad, for he was very rich. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied with a shake of his head and a smile on his face, What is impossible for mortals is possible for God. The word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Then the Lord said, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. 
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I suspect that you are people who like to find great deals on things, right? Do you like to find good deals? Yeah. I have got a great deal for you today. I am going to preach two sermons, and we're only going to pass the plate once. I can see the excitement is overwhelming. <laughs> Today, we begin our low-key but very important 2020 stewardship drive. We're calling it Reaching for Tomorrow. Last year, it was called Reaching for More. And we're kind of borrowing some of the same ideas from last year and using it for one more year because Getting two years out of the thing is better than only one, right? Yeah. Uh, plus, we're looking into the future here at Riverside Presbyterian Church now. So, reaching for tomorrow, one of the committee members came up with that tag, and we thought it was good. I hope that we have some guests with us today, and I want to invite you to excuse us while we talk about a little bit of in-house business uh, this morning you will learn some of how, about what we value and how we support the ministries we undertake around Riverside Presbyterian Church. So that's the intro for both sermons. Sermon number one. We'll start with a lesson from Economics 101. I actually have a degree in economics, so uh, I guess I'm speaking from a little bit of expertise when I, when I say this. Okay, is everybody ready? Right. Modern humans value and exchange things by the use of money. My son, if he were here, would be rolling his eyeballs. We once traded chickens for tomatoes or horseshoes for labor. And we have a barter economy that goes on now, kind of a renewal of that. But it used to be the way we did things. We, I'm saying generally, I don't remember those days. But now we use dollars in this country. A lot of other countries, too. We are willing to pay for and support those things we value. And that includes the church, which includes Riverside, Presbyterian Church. You all, mostly, I mean, so if you're a guest here today, you don't know if you value this ministry yet, but, but folks who keep coming back week after week, you all value the ministry and mission of this church a great deal. That's why you're here. We like to talk about the three legs of support for our efforts, and they're all important. Time, talent, and treasure, all of those are important. And for a few weeks each year, we focus on the treasure part. <clears throat> I've preached some tiptoeing stewardship sermons over the course of nearly 40 years in ministry. The messages that have been the most well-received, however, have been what I call the don't beat around the bush types. So here goes. Another obvious statement. Riverside Presbyterian Church 
needs your money. Pretty clear, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, I realize that one of the top three reasons why people stay away from churches is because we are perceived as always asking for money. We pass the plate pretty much every week. I understand that. But it's not all we're interested in. We're interested in the ministry and the mission that we carry out with the resources that we have. And even if that is what you think, then I counter with the question, what organization doesn't ask for your money? Try walking out of Publix or Hawkers without hauling out your preferred payment device. I go to those places and I reach for my wallet and I haul out cash. And some of the young cashiers go, what's that stuff? I said, it's money. Don't you have a smartphone? I still pay with cash. We pay in all kinds of different ways these days. But try walking out without paying. It's not a good idea, is it? Or don't pay your American Bar Association dues for a year. Or ignore your tax bill. Or figure that your daughter can play on the travel soccer team without coughing up the participation fee. Not to mention showing up without the approved gear. You get the picture. Valued stuff costs money. Simple as that. One promise that I like to make to congregations when I serve, even as an interim, is that uh, we will be running a tight, transparent financial ship under my watch. And that's not a statement about what's going on before, because I'm learning what went on before, and I have no problems with it. It's just that I like to do things a little bit differently. I'm a frugal Dutchman, which is redundant. It's kind of like being a frugal Scot. Um, and, and I believe that everybody needs to know how we raise and how we spend our money. And that is a commitment that I like to make. Let me also be transparent in this request. If you value this ministry, don't be shy, be generous, both as we end this year and look forward to the next. A very important practical consideration you may not have thought about arises at this point. If you, if you as a church want to be in a strong position to attract the best pastoral candidates to Riverside Presbyterian Church, and that's one of those questions, the answer is, well, who wouldn't? Of course you want highly qualified candidates, and you will get them. But you need to start that process by, by forking over the funds now. Did he just say fork over the funds? Dear Lord, what's the matter with that guy? Why is this important? Every good candidate will ask the pastor nominating committee about the state of the church's finances. And the better your finances look, the more likely better prospects will take a good look at you. And we can begin that by shining our image with a strong financial finish to 2017. Or 2019. I, was, I wasn't here in 2017. Anyway. So, I wish it weren't so, but it is. 
We need to talk about money in the church because that is how we value things in our world today. So show how much you appreciate and depend on RPC by supporting this work generously now and in 2020. End of sermon number one. Sermon number two, a little bit more philosophical, biblical, theological. Get the other stuff out of the way. A foundational truth on which I base my life in ministry is really quite simple. God provides for all my needs and most of my wants. Now I know the needs part of it is true because in a couple of weeks I'm going to be 65 and up until this time I've, I've been able to wake up every morning and I'm still here. Now my wants, that's another matter. Are there some, some things that I would like to have but I don't have? No, but I got a bunch of them. But everything I need has been provided in my life, more or less as I like them to be. Let me state this in a slightly different way. When God blesses an activity, God provides what it takes to accomplish what God wants to happen. And this is where the, epi the episode from Exodus comes into play. God's people, the Hebrews, found themselves between a rock and a hard place. The siren call of the way things were. You know that siren call? Oh, in the olden days, in the olden days. The siren call of the way things were still rang in their ears. Though apparently defeated, Pharaoh's forces still posed a threat to them from behind. And the wilderness stretched out in front of them, a foreboding place to be sure, just beyond the silhouettes of Moses and Aaron, a, a most unlikely duo of untested leaders. They clearly were not Boy Scouts. Advanced planning did not occur to them. Here the people were temporarily safe, but they were experiencing the twin scourges of thirst and hunger. When people are thirsty and hungry, complaining follows closely behind. Bordering, in this case, on rebellion. If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill us and this whole assembly with hunger. A short aside, not sermon number three, just a short aside. Being a disciple of Jesus is not necessarily an easy, rosy romp through life. Very often, quite the opposite proves true. We can expect that we will be taxed and challenged and even disheartened along the way. And, in spite of everything, we trust that when God blesses, God provides. Not everything we want, but everything we need to take the next step of faith. Back to the Bible story. God provided for the Hebrews not the alluring flesh pots of Egypt, 
which always are enticing, right? But not all that you might imagine they would be because slavery and captivity was also a part of that. God doesn't provide that, but plain old heavenly bread in the desert. One day at a time. They will wake up again in the morning and trust that God will provide for the next day too. Step by step by step. The problem wasn't solved forever, but for that day. Sometimes, sometimes we feel like a little like we're wandering in the wilderness, squished between the perceived glories of days gone by and the uncertainty of next week, next month, next year, next pastor. <laughs> to let you in on a little secret, we are. That's where we are in our life together. Different time and different context from the people of Israel, but wandering just the same. Something else also remains the same. God waits impatiently to bless us as we take the next step in faith. And when God blesses, God provides. When God blesses, God provides. In fact, God has already provided up until this point in our history together. Everything that RPC needs for the next season in our life together is already in our, our heads, our hearts, our hands, and if the case is true for you, our handheld devices. Yes, our mutual ministry demands time, talent, and treasure. Your time, talent, and treasure. And here you all are. You're here already. What a wonderful thing. We already possess all the resources that we need to travel through this present time. Do we want to grow in faith in numbers? Yes, we do. I've never served a church that didn't want to, or at least said they didn't want to. One of the illusions we have is that new members will solve all of our financial challenges, and that's not true. They don't. They never are the answer to financial challenges that are presented. Like the Hebrews, we need to cease obsessing on obstacles and try to refocus on the resources God has already provided. To ask ourselves what we really value. The faddish flesh pots of modern society or the solid promises of God's provision. We hope we hold tightly to our belief in God's providence. Summary for both sermons. You will have the opportunity to estimate your level of support for this valued ministry in the weeks ahead. I encourage us not to be budget-focused, that is, counting the money in the golden pot and determining how much ministry we can afford, rather to look around and identify what God is calling us to be and to do, and then to dream possible and even borderline impossible dreams about what else God has in store for us. There is always something more, that's for sure. And when we dream those dreams, we trust that God will provide the resources, the time, the talent, and the treasure we need to get it done. Remember, the biblical standard that we share is a tithe, 
Now, when I say that, the Bible says it, uh, I also say that for some people, 10% is too little, like the man in the story. Jesus didn't say, make sure you tithe. Jesus said, I want it all from you. Because that was the call for that person to be the disciple that Jesus wanted him to be. Sometimes 10% wants us off the hook too easy. It might be more than that. For other folks, if you're having a really, really challenging year, it's not about what you give. It's about what we can give to you. That's the thinking that you all have to do for yourselves. But the tithe remains the biblical standard, and that's the place where we need to start asking the questions. We will be mailing a letter and pledge cards in uh, two weeks. October 14th, it's scheduled to go out. And I want you to relax, because these are the only two stewardship sermons that are going to be preached on this subject. This is it, all right? The month of October is not going to be filled with stewardship sermons. Uh, you are going to see three members of your congregation come up and share three to five minute testimonies about their own life and what they give to God. And you'll, you'll hear from a representative from a, one of our ministries that we support. But you will hear no more sermons on the matter. We may remind you along the way that it's important for this process, just like it's important for you to fill out the PNC questionnaires. And that's a great response, by the way. Um, just, just a remarkable response, 160 whatever, and you'll get some more now. Um, that's a very, very good response from all of you. On November 3rd, we will gather our pledges and offer them to God uh, in the way that we do here in the church. We are going to trust that God intends to bless us in our efforts to share the good news of Jesus Christ in five points and elsewhere. To grow in faith and numbers, to be partners in the spiritual transformation of the people we meet and the world in which we live. And to live what we believe, that when God blesses, God provides. In the years ahead, just as much, maybe even more than in the past. Thanks be to God for this teaching from his holy word. Amen.